0: Hello, and welcome to Beyond What You See, a podcast where I talk about my favorite books from a Muslim perspective. If you can't tell, the background music is a concerning Hobbit's theme from Lord of the Rings because we are talking about Lord of the Rings. This is episode three and it is long overdue. Sorry about that. Honestly, life got really busy and I kind of lost steam, but I'm persevering and I'm back and I'm actually really excited for this episode. So um, weeks ago, actually genuinely weeks ago, I cornered a friend of mine, his name is Ahmed, um, who's also a fan of Lord of the Rings. And I said, listen, I started a podcast. Um, I know you like Lord of the Rings. I would love for you to record something so that I could play it on an episode if you're comfortable with that. Um, he was very nice about it. He said yes. So here's Ahmed and his experience with Lord of the Rings. And yeah, stay tuned. Enjoy. I'm so excited.
1: All right, here we go. Hello, everyone. My name is Ahmed, and I'm here to talk a little bit about what got me interested in the series of Lord of the Rings. Now, there's many popular series out there, many different books and movies, but Lord of the Rings by far, I'd say, is my favorite um, right at the top. And um, I got into it at a pretty young age, Um, you know, when the movies were coming out in the early 2000s, I think, like, as early as 01. um, I was probably, what, like, seven or eight years old at the time. And the reason I was interested in it was because having four older siblings, they were very in tune with, you know, a lot of the, uh, you know, movies and shows and books. And they always, in my opinion, they always had good taste. Like, they were always... You know, they didn't ever really watch like the cheesy and the corny stuff everything that they liked it was like meaningful it was always stuff that i looked up to and so as a result naturally um i got into it as well the only thing is i hated reading like i hated it with a passion like if there was any assignment we had or any kind of homework we had that had to involve reading, I'd find a way around it. And so for me, in the early stages of my life, it was predominantly the movies and it was, you know, the visuals. And that's what got me, you know, hooked. It was much later on as an adult when I read the books and then I appreciated them so much more and I was like, shoot, I should have read the books first (laughs) because the books are always better. And it's just a great experience reading it first. And, um... You know, I have vivid memories of us going to the theater to watch Fellowship of the Ring and us being, you know, immigrant kids going into the theater, sneaking in our pop cans and our little sandwiches, you know, and at the perfect moment, you know, when it's silent, just cracking that can wide open, everyone looking at us. It wasn't that bad. But uh, I remember going to the theater for, for, you know, Lord of the Rings and just knowing how, seeing the crowd react the way that they reacted, I'd never seen that before in a theater, and I knew that okay, you know what, this is something that's special, um, and yeah, like just growing up with four older siblings, we always talked about Lord of the Rings. We all kind of fantasized about it, talked about our favorite characters, and you know, back in the day with VHSs, we literally had like two things on cassette, and that was Space Jam. And Lord of the Rings. And so I'd come back from school, and either I'd put in Space Jam and watch the Looney Tunes play some basketball with Michael Jordan, or if I was feeling, you know, that fantasy kind of vibe, I would just stick, you know, Lord of the Rings into that, you know, VHS player and just watch that over and over again. And um, some of the things that I loved (laughs) was, like... I love Legolas. He was one of my favorite, you know, people just because of how he looked. His hair was so elegant and um, Gandalf was so mystical. And just the characters were so, like, I've never seen this before. Um, you know, so, like, I was mesmerized by the kind of, you know, characters that they had. And I'd say, like, that's how I got right, started. so continuing from that train of thought. Now, I'm going to sound like an old wise man thinking that I have things all figured out. But one thing I have to say is I always felt like older than my peers and, like, the friends and the people that I went to school with, everyone was like, man, maybe this is a product of having, being the baby of, you know, five kids and having older siblings that were really into, like, mature and really deep, meaningful stuff, so all the, you know, contemporary movies, shows, and books that my peers were reading, they all seemed, like, silly. They were all, like, dumb. It's like, dude, what are you even reading? What are you watching? This stuff sucks, and so I felt like, Oh, like, I'm into stuff that has deeper meanings and significations, like, in Lord of the Rings, this represents that, and look at this, this has a significant meaning over here, and so, uh, and then if I tried to talk to my friends or anyone else about it, they'd be like, dude, you're crazy, what are you talking about, man, and so, it was weird, because I couldn't really relate to a lot of people when it came to this, most people are like, yo, that movie's just too long, that movie sucks, you know, like, four hours, and, like, at the end of the first movie, they didn't even get anywhere, so it's like my friends and stuff they couldn't understand it and so um yeah it felt like this lord of the rings phenomenon was just within my own like you know some of my siblings and myself and it sucks that i wasn't able to share that experience with like more of my friends but um you know as life went on and you know as you get older and you start realizing i guess certain i don't know Lessons, life lessons and things like that. You you also um, saw in Lord of the Rings how, whoa, like it really has really cool messages and really cool meanings in it. And so when I got more to like a teenager and uh, into my adult life and especially being like a Muslim and, you know, who lives by certain principles and, and kind of like, you know, frameworks, Um, and paradigms, it was like, whoa, a lot of the things that's happening in Lord of the Rings, I didn't know this before, but now I'm being a little more conscious, like, whoa, this actually represents stuff from our Islamic tradition, and it actually, like, now we have a visual in front of us, and we have characters that look so cool, that are, like, living by some of these principles, and I'll elaborate on that in a little bit, and so kind of seeing that was like, whoa, I'm, like... Proud to be a Muslim, and like this movie kind of like this story kind of backs that up and supports my kind of like beliefs and my frameworks in a way. So that was kind of like really cool. Um, and you know, interestingly enough, in the community that I guess I'm uh, you know around in the Toronto area, who would have thought I was gonna attend a class? by a really incredible teacher that talks about the inner dimensions of you know tokens series and so it's really cool that we have people that pretty much like studied this stuff in detail like symbolism and archetypes and uh, all this kind of and so going to like that it really elevated my like understanding of the series and like sometimes you just want to go watch something and have fun and not really think about it much but this really became something that's like dude I could study this like there could be a whole course or like a whole I don't even know it could be a whole uh you know something something that you dedicate a lot of time to actually like investigating so I'd say as an adult now it's it's really become um a lot okay, more meaningful. I guess. I then forgot. I wanted to cool. add was um, my peers and the people that I couldn't really relate to growing up. It was like the stuff we or like they were watching was like, SpongeBob SquarePants, Pokemon, Yu Gi Oh. Um, what else did we watch? Just like really, really random, like Teen Titans, cartoons, Dragon Ball Z. That stuff is still really cool, but it was like, if you're gonna watch something more fantasy like. There was never any conversation with like, oh, what did you think about this character? What's so cool about Gandalf? Or we just never were into that. So all of that kind of came from my siblings and not my own peers. And the other thing I wanted to say was um, I was an avid video gamer. And so I think the whole fantasy kind of world was always uh, interesting to me. Just playing like certain, you know, fighting sci-fi kind of video games with people that had superpowers and just kind of battling and fighting each other so that's why when you see someone like Gandalf who uses his staff and just like demolishes someone with it or like uh like who's using a bow and arrow just going like miles and miles away like that was kind of just cool because that was stuff that I Saw or did in dun, a video dun. game. Dun, dun. So like okay, that. here we get to some of the juicy stuff. Are y'all ready? So what I've been asked to talk about a little bit more, I know I've been talking a lot, but we're going to go over a couple passages or maybe one or two passages that really kind of resonated with me uh, in the series. And uh, another thing I wanted to preface this with is that, like, again, my friends and peers, no one really talked about the inner meaning of stuff. Like, Maybe we just were not thinking about stuff too critically but the people I was around they weren't too um, they weren't necessarily super proud of their like you know Muslim identity they weren't trying to like say oh you know what Uh, this represents my religion or my faith and it just wasn't people weren't really looking for meaning in shows or popular culture I think or at least not my friends they just kind of like went with the flow But when I saw things that represented stuff from our tradition, I was like, whoa, that's really cool. Because it was something that I took a lot of pride in from an early age. So even in like late middle school, early high school, and definitely throughout my latter portion of high school, I was like really, really proud, right? A really, really proud Muslim. And if I could find anything, show, book, popular culture that kind of represented that, I was all for it. And so anyways, going to some cool passages that um, really resonated with me. Um, definitely, number one, I have to start off with this one. I think Frodo, he's having a conversation with Gandalf, just saying how crazy the times are that they're living in, and how, you know, it seems like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Why are we in such a predicament, in such a situation? And, he, and Frodo's pretty much telling Gandalf, like, I wish I wasn't here right now. Like, I, was, I wish I was not chosen for this task. Um, and what does Gandalf say? So do all who live to see such times but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. I was like, damn, you just dropped the mic on that one. Um, it's like that was powerful because especially as I got older and... Um, you know, going through certain things in life You always are told things like Oh, just be patient, man You know, God is testing you, be patient Or like, um, man The times we live in is so crazy, man Wouldn't it have been so cool if we just lived in the time of the Prophet For example, sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Um, and like That would be, of course, dope That would be cool, but a f- phrase like this Or a passage like this really shows you like A really cool wisdom You know, like, um it's just, like, a really, really cool lesson. Like, yo, you were chosen to be in the time that you're in now, so don't be complaining and wishing you were in a different time. Like, you're here for a reason, you know, so make do with what you have. And that's the kind of mindset and, uh, you know, way of looking that I always try to, like, develop. So when you see Gandalf saying that, it's like, damn, this guy has my back. I look up to Gandalf, so that's cool. Um, another one that, like, was really, really, you know, resonated with me very much um, Again, really short, Gandalf saying, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Wait, I just say that one? I did say that one. Okay, and finally, I'll say one more. Um, again, from Gandalf. He, he's just like the wisest person ever, so all of them are from Gandalf. And so this last one, he says, um, I will not say, do not weep, for not all tears are in evil. And I'm forgetting the circumstance in which this was said, but it just goes to show you like, dude it's okay to cry it's okay to feel emotions you know like we're human beings and um and I don't know so a lot of things Gandalf said were just really really cool so those were some of the ones that were up there I know it might not seem too you know philosophical or deep but I really really like those ones
0: okay so that was Ahmed's recording um some audio issues but that's totally on my part because I'm just not good at Audio things. I should not be doing a podcast, <laughs> but oh my god, Ahmed, thank you so much. That was fantastic. It was so great to hear from you. Um, it was so great to hear about your whole journey with Lord of the Rings. I honestly I didn't know any of this. Um, and those passages also like yeah for sure resonate with me, and I I really like that one. Um, but thank you so much for like doing this. This was great. I'm I'm so excited. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um. And, yeah, like, if you if you guys want to do the same, if you want to send me your story um, about how you got into Lord of the Rings or your journey with reading, because I know not everyone's like me, doesn't like to read, <laughs> um, please, like, you can write a message or send me a message at uh, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash beyond what you see podcast or email me at uh beyond what you see podcast at gmail.com or just comment below on whatever device that you're listening to me with (laughs) because i know that the website i'm using um shares the audio in different places um you can also find me on a website it's sakina literary society.com if you go to the section that says beyond what you see podcast yeah comment there send me a message i would love to hear from you guys We are going to hear from one other person before we get into the meat of the podcast. Um, This is uh, my consistent commenter, I really appreciate her, I'm very sorry if I butcher her name, Karen. She she messaged us last time and she just wanted to say, on the heels of episode 2, I really like this episode and the points you make. The parallel you draw to death and how you prepare for death is especially thought provoking to me on a deeply personal level. My dad passed away from brain cancer almost exactly two years ago, and looking back now, he did pretty much exactly what you described. He made sure not to leave any unfinished business behind. He said goodbye to all his friends and family, and he made his peace with God. He had been estranged from the church since his youth, not because he didn't believe in God, but because he saw too much hypocrisy and bigotry, which he really struggled with, and so do I. He studied Arabic at university and spent a lot of his life traveling to the Middle East Fork. We even lived in Saudi Arabia for a short while when I was little. i know he was always fascinated with arabic culture and islam so maybe he read some of the same philosophy that you quoted in your episode and i was in uh, and was influenced by it this is a really extremely long-winded way to say thank you for a wonderful episode i really look forward to the next one karen oh my goodness i when i first got this email and i'm so sorry that i took so long to respond but my my heart was just shaken like it was it was so beautiful to hear from you and um Oh my goodness! I I it was just really, it really moved me, and my God, uh, thank you so much for sharing this story and for telling me about your dad and God, if I can if I can help at all or if I'm affecting anybody out there who's listening in any way, it's not even me. It's just you know what? It's Tolkien. He's amazing, <laughs> but um, yeah, I was just I'm sorry. I I don't even have the words to say how moved I was and. Thank you so much for coming along with this journey. Um, on this journey with me. I, I just... Whew, I can't I can't even articulate my feelings. <laughs> oh, man. Um, that was just really beautiful. Uh, okay. So, we're continuing with The Fellowship of the Ring. We're on Chapter 2. Because I'm so bad at keeping up with this. I'm so sorry. So, we're on Chapter 2. Um, the Shadow of the Past. And just like episode two um, this is gonna be a little bit organic and perhaps a little bit choppy because if I if I set too many requirements for myself with this podcast I will never I will never make another episode so it's really gonna be a journey come along with me open your books if you would like so yes okay so the shadow of the past is chapter two so our last uh chapter was a long expected party where we learn about the ring we learn about bilbo bilbo leaves frodo inherits bag end and in the ring uh, and we're feeling ominous but we're not quite sure why not yet the shadow of the past then tells us gives us the whole history of the ring and actually covers a huge amount of time like a like a few years like a decade i'm not 100 sure but when we get to that passage i'll i'll explain it And it begins with, um, the second disappearance of Mr. Bilbo Baggins was discussed in Hobbiton and indeed all over the Shire for a year and a day and was remembered much longer than that. So if you guys recall episode two, we talked about the court of public opinion and um, character and etiquette and generosity and basically how fickle opinions are and to not put much stock in what people are saying because they say all kinds of things and sometimes they say things they don't mean or things that are not quite true or they don't have the full story. Um, And literally paragraph two of this chapter says, the general opinion in the neighborhood was that Bilbo, who had always been rather cracked, had at at last gone quite mad and had run off into the blue. So I underline general opinion because as in the last chapter, even though everyone knows... Bilbo to be a very generous kind if eccentric hobbit they've just decided he's crazy. Um and then they say there he had undoubtedly fallen into a pool or river and come to a tragic but hardly untimely end. Okay, so tragic uh because, you know, death is tragic, but hardly untimely is again a callback to Bilbo's um supposed perpetual youth and long livedness. Um and perhaps also the envy of those around him because <laughs> I don't think they want him to die, but they were, they they did think it was about time. Um, The blame again was mostly laid on Gandalf. Honestly, poor Gandalf. Um, I was reading a post on Tumblr uh, a little while ago about how Gandalf is essentially an angel, (laughs) and he's just treated so badly by everybody. Um, nobody has, or very few people have, any idea of who Gandalf is and how like his mission to help the world and to combat evil is um they have no idea of Gandalf's good and they diminish him and just because some people have that opinion of Gandalf doesn't take away from who he is and his mission and his truth um and that's really important to remember because even for ourselves if rumors go around I would tell my students this because I was a teacher for a while um when rumors go around about you if they're not true of course they're upsetting but honestly best best thing to do is just brush it off because you know the truth god knows the truth the people who matter should know the truth and if they don't know the truth and they don't come talk to you you know maybe reevaluate those relationships because people can think what they want but you know truth is the truth and you can't spin it (laughs) um and you know the truth will come out it always does it might take years it might happen after you're dead it doesn't matter the truth will come out anyways so um yeah so because the 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 hobbits generally blame Gandalf for Bilbo's supposed end and they worry about his influence on Frodo um they worry that he's perhaps stopping uh, Frodo from growing some hobbit sense as they put it um and they they think he's a little bit weird especially for not going into morning because Frodo continues to celebrate Bilbo's birthday um until eventually they got used to it so I also underlined that because that was another thing I wanted to point out um uh, another reason basically why you shouldn't be too worried about people's opinions of you because you know they considered Frodo's behavior odd until they got used to it so you know what strangeness is only strange because it's not the norm which I know that sounds a bit redundant but it's it's it bears pointing out um, another passage I underlined, a few pages, uh, the next page, was, um, yeah, so they're talking about Frodo's friends, Folco, Boffin, Frederick, Bolger, Peregrine Took, and Mary Brandybuck. Um, it said, Frodo went tramping over the Shire with them, but more often he wandered by himself, and to the amazement of sensible folk, he was sometimes seen far from home, walking in the hills and woods under the starlight. Mary and Pippin suspected that he visited the elves at times, as Bilbo had done. So this kind of just highlights Frodo being both different but also special because he's associated with the elves um and even if you don't know much about the history of Lord of the Rings like before the series the Silmarillion or much about elves elves are always special it's kind of a trope of fairy fantasy tales that elves are special and Frodo's immediately associated with that which It does a good job of actually setting up his character before we uh, quite know him yet. Um, And then it said, as time went on, people began to notice that Frodo also showed signs of good preservation. Some folk have all they luck, people said. (laughs) So a little bit more of envy, um, especially since he just inherited a large plot of land. Yeah. Oh, and then there was a section that I really wanted to talk about. so. Frodo is feeling some regret for not going after Bilbo, he kind of dreams of traveling, he, he kind of feels I think stifled in Hobbiton, in the Shire. Um, and so he, kept, he began to say to himself, perhaps I shall cross the river myself one day. To which the other half of his mind always replied, not yet. And then it says, so it went on until Frodo's 40s were running out and his 50th birthday was drawing near. 50 was a number that he felt was somehow uh, significant or ominous. It was at any rate, at that age, that adventure had suddenly befallen Bilbo. So I found this interesting because... I should have done some research on this, but I didn't. Whoops. Okay, so I found this interesting because, Islamically, we consider the age of maturity or of, like, hmm... How would I phrase this? So we consider that men generally come of age at 40 years old. Like they are themselves and have fully developed their identity and sense of self by 40. And that is when you have officially come of age for men. And that is also when our Prophet wasallam, um when he he, he he was given the message. Um, and he was declared a messenger so he was always a prophet but he, was, he wasn't he was a messenger until he was given the message until the message descended upon him from the heavens um, which is our book the Quran, our holy book um, and it was at the age of 40 so I just found that interesting to have that in common and I wonder why I wonder if that age is significant in um, Christian ideology if you guys know please let me know Um, I will do research myself. I should have done that before. I mean, I could type. If you guys don't mind hearing typing. You know what? Let's do that. Age of maturity Bible. I don't know. Let's see what happens. Okay. (laughs) Let's see. The Bible refers to people from conception through the age of 19 as children. Uh, Da-da-da. Hmm. Just scrolling through a website. Just the first website that popped up. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I can't find the information from a very quick Google search, but you know what? Instead of having a lot of dead air on this podcast, I will leave that as homework for whoever is listening. If you can tell me what you think the significance of having the age 50 be the age of adventure for both Bilbo and Frodo, that would be fantastic. It might not be Christian ideology, it might be in, um, I don't know, in mythic trope, it might be in the hero trope, it might be in the Norse and forget the other word for it, but basically the sources that inspired um, Tolkien and that he drew on when he was writing. Moving on. So. Oh yes. Okay. So rumors of strange things start happening in the world outside. Um, Gandalf hasn't been seen for several years. Frodo starts gathering news. Um, There seems to be a mass exodus of people. um, And... Rumors of darkness. Um, Frodo often met strange dwarves of far countries seeking refuge in the West. They were troubled, and some spoke in whispers of the enemy and of the land of Mordor. Um, and then we go on a little further. Um, there's a lot of emphasis here of uh, east versus west. So the Dark Tower had been rebuilt. It was said from there the power was spreading far and wide, and away from east and south there were wars and growing fears. Orcs were multiplying again in the mountains. Trolls were abroad no longer dull-witted, but cunning and armed with dreadful weapons. So, this whole West-East thing always bothered me, because I think in the climate I was growing up with, like, just post nine eleven, there was all this, like, fear of East and Middle East and all these things. So, I was telling my mother this, and my mother is brilliant, alhamdulillah, but she's, <laughs> she's fantastic. So I was telling my mother this, and she was like, well, you know, the um, Judgment Day, I think she said, I might be quoting her wrong, and feel free to connect, correct me, but she said... And according to Christian beliefs, the uh, the end times or judgment day will start from the east um, and move towards the west. And so historically, I mean historically, but like in their belief system, evil is from the east and it's not necessarily a, a like our world geography geopolitical issue thing, <laughs> if that makes sense. So that was cool to know. All right. So, um then we have amidst these rumors of impending doom, we have a interesting conversation between Sam and Head Sandyman. And further on by the end of the book, both Sandyman, the Miller's son, and Sam prove themselves to be important in small and large ways, which is so interesting. What a great way to set up a story. Anyways, <laughs> Um, and we we kind of get to know Sam a little bit more here so Sam is noticing these strange things um, and he believes in them but Ted is a skeptic and he keeps saying oh whatever this is just silly things this is just rumors this is just people making up fa- fairy tales that aren't true and he says um, I can hear fireside tales and children's stories at home if I want to No doubt you can, retorted Sam. And I dare say there's more truth in some of them than you reckon. Who invented the stories anyways? Take dragons now. So honestly, that just, that right there sets up Sam's character. He's a very wise, methodical, down-to-earth person. And he doesn't mind, or he's not afraid of speaking up or speaking his truth, which is really inspiring. I love Sam. He's amazing. Uh, Everyone should love Sam. Uh, There's... This tendency I'm noticing for people to say that um, Frodo's a protagonist but Sam's the real hero of the story. And while I get the sentiment behind that, um, I kind of don't like it. <laughs> I kind of disagree because it, it kind of frames Frodo as like, as a failure for having lost to the ring, right? Um, and... I get that people are trying to say, well, you know, if, if it wasn't for Sam, you know, everything would have been doomed. But we also have to remember that Frodo's fighting an inner war for the whole of this quest. And he couldn't have done it without Sam. But Sam also couldn't have done it without Frodo. So frankly, they're both heroes. <laughs> but that's for a later time. All right. So let's move on. Uh, yes, Gandalf comes back. I wonder, let's see, where is the timing? Da-da-da. Yeah, so. It was just at this time that Gandalf reappeared after his long absence. For three years after the party, he had been away. Then he paid Frodo a brief visit um, and went off again. During the next year or two, he turned up fairly often. And then suddenly his visits had ceased. It was over nine years since Frodo had seen or heard of of him and he had begun to think that the wizard would never return and he had given up all interest in hobbits. Nine years! Okay so this is this is one of the biggest differences from the movie. Um in the movie things pretty much happen like it almost seems as if it happens within a few days of the party. Frodo is off on his adventure um but in the books it's nine years, nine years of slowly growing rumor and darkness and fear and confusion and also crucially nine years that Frodo has had the ring right I think that also is a reason the movies um make it hard to empathize with Frodo in terms of the effect that the ring has on him because everything seems to happen very quickly but in the books Frodo has the ring for nine years and I'm skipping ahead in the story but also if you notice Boromir is around the ring for a few months and is overcome, <laughs> so he's oof, he's strong. Okay, so Gandalf comes back and he's talking about the history of the Ring and the truth of the Ring that he has guessed, um, and he's pretty sure of. So he's talking about the Great Rings, and they haven't yet, or he hasn't yet explained that the Great Rings are, or or the one the Ring that Frodo has is probably one of the Great Rings, capital G, capital R. So he says. Mortal Frodo, who keeps one of the great rings, does not die, but he does not grow or obtain more life. He merely continues until at last every moment is a weariness. I don't know about you, but honestly, that sounds like hell. That sounds hellish, like, frankly. Oh, no. Because you're alive, but he does not grow or obtain more life. So, it's I always remember uh, in Bilbo in the movie saying, I feel like butter scraped over too much bread it's just your life gets thin and thin and thin and you just feel worn down and not only do you not grow um like I suppose you don't even grow in knowledge or or personally like in identity you just become stunted you become trapped at the moment that you're in and that's awful and then eventually you fade that's horrifying um and it's, it's a good thing to point out that, like, that, that growth is important. And the, one of the reasons why evil fails and goodness succeeds, I guess you could say, is that evil is stagnant. It never changes. But goodness grows and learns and listens and tries and keeps trying and gets up and keeps trying. And evil is always the same. Evil stays as it is. Evil is stupid, evil doesn't learn, evil doesn't try, evil, evil doesn't uh, change its mind. <laughs> I it discover new things, right? Wow. I don't know. Am I making any sense? Who knows? I'm having fun. Let's continue. <laughs> Gandalf says, um, I told Bildo often that such rings were better left unused, but he resented it and soon got angry. There was little else that I could do. I could not take it from him without doing greater harm, and I had no right to do so anyway. I could only watch and wait. This passage blew my mind. Um, <laughs> like just because you know, people might think, Oh, Gandalf's like an angel in human form, it's his job to make life, uh, or to fight against evil. Why didn't he just take the ring from Bilbo? Why leave Bilbo with it? Why didn't he deal with it himself? Um, why didn't he do something about it? And honestly, uh, kind of recurring theme of my life is just giving people the dignity of their choice and understanding that you cannot control everybody and you shouldn't control everybody or everything or every situation um that it's not the right thing to do even if you can leave people their choices honestly um it would do greater harm to force Bilbo to give up the ring um and patience is key. Gandalf had to be patient. This whole story is a story of patience too, right? And in the end, Bilbo gives it up of his own choosing. And that results in, honestly, that that's, I think that right there is the key moment that, that rescues this whole mission from almost certain doom. Because Bilbo gave up the ring by choice and it came to Frodo, like that instead of through murder in the way it's always come it it changes everything and it's also good to notice that like maybe to keep in mind that when you when something bad happens and you go to someone and be like why didn't you tell me or why didn't you stop me or why didn't you help me or why didn't you do anything why didn't you stop that person from making that choice or if whatever because you know that's happened that's uh, that's a universal experience you just gotta accept, you know what, sometimes give people the dignity of their choice. Like, for example, I've had friends who made choices that I was just like, mm, I think that's a stupid idea. But you know what? It is not my life. I, all I can do is give them advice. But if they're not going to listen to me, and if it's going to just upset them and ruin our friendship, if I keep pushing them, then you know what, I'd rather be there for when things do fall apart. Um, if they do fall apart. And still have that friend and be there for them rather than be like, oh, well, you know, I was self-righteous and I did the right thing and I I told them that their choice was stupid and I was like, it's me or your choice. And you know what? I still have friends today and I'm sure people have stuck with me today just because they gave me the dignity of my choice. And that's really important. I kind of feel like a preacher. Am I annoying? I should stop asking the microphone questions. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Gandalf reiterates that. He says, Bilbo gave it up in the end of his own account. An important point. Um, And then Frodo's worrying. and And he's like, why would the dark power be concerned with the Shire besides the ring? Blah, blah, blah. And Gandalf says... Well, you should be thankful. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't. He's not worried about you. You're invisible to him. But if he did find out about the hot uh, the ring being with the hobbits, he would. Hmm. He would want to dominate them. He would want to make them miserable. Uh, hobbits as miserable slaves would please him far more than hobbits happy and free, which is just underscoring the really satanic, you know, characteristic of Sauron. He's yeah obviously, but I thought it was, I might as well point that out. Okay. Um, and like Ahmed said about, uh, one of his favorite passages, it appears in this chapter. So the Frodo says, I wish this need not have happened in my time. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. And like Ahmed said, that really affected like me and really, it really helps me whenever like I'm gripped by despair, (laughs) not to be dramatic, but I have to just remember like, all that matters is that I, I use my time well, right? Um, there's no use, frankly, in wanting a different time or wanting things to be different. Um, all I can do is literally what I can do and I can't change anything else outside of my own actions. And sometimes not even then so really all we can do is keep trying and that message of all that matters is trying and not strength is underscored again when uh Gandalf was talking about how the ring was almost destroyed almost but wasn't and why why wasn't it destroyed cried Frodo and how did the enemy ever come to lose it if he was so strong and it was so precious to him And that's also another key of the whole series is that it's not strength that matters, right? It doesn't matter that evil was strong and these things are precious to them because people tried. They resisted. They fought. They, even when it seemed hopeless, they fought against evil. And not giving up is really the reason for any kind of success in this world. And in the hereafter, not giving up, like, you know, sometimes you can get hard on yourself or down on yourself for screwing up or sinning or making a mistake or um, choosing wrong or, but there's a passage in, or anyways, I, I don't know if it's a passage in, in, in our book or not, but basically God says, if you, um, if you were not a people who sinned, I would destroy you and replace you with people who did sin because not that God wants us to sin. But he wants us to try. He wants us to strive. He wants us to turn to him and rely on him and keep going and keep trying and worship him and love him and be grateful. And how can we do that if we don't have the opposite? If we are perfect um, in the sense that we never sin or never make mistakes or never screw up, why would we think of God? and Why would we turn to him and why would we worship him? Um, And why would we do good? Right? Good comes out of... Um, as a reaction to evil right? Generosity is in a reaction to uh, need and also stinginess kindness, is mercy is a reaction to the opposite um, you know you, your character is developed and made clearer in the face of difficulty and tragedy and horror and that's just a fact of this world and all we can do is keep trying and Make an effort. Yeah. Okay. Um, hmm. I have a couple of notes here, but I'm not, they're a little bit too, like, just uh, random and not really connected. So, yeah. Then um, Gandalf moves on, talks about um, Smeagol and Deagle and how they found the ring. And I just found it interesting that in when they're, when Smeagol speaking, there's a lot of I, I, me, 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 I, I, selfish, 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 self-absorbed, self-focused, right? Give us that, my love, um, my birthday, I want it, I don't care, I have given you a present already, um, it's more than I could afford, I found this out, I'm going to keep it. Um, My love, my love, my love, but it's so pointed to the self and that's why they end up fighting and that's why they end up murder, like will end up murdering his friend for this ring that he wants his covet, covetous, covetous, covetousness covetousness, okay desire for things, it's what the ring does it makes you selfish and self-absorbed It's makes you it lowers you, it turns you into a creature that cares about nothing but your own po- like needs and powers and satisfaction it diminishes you it takes dignity away from you, it's evil um and Smeagol is corrupted by it so he murders his friend buries his body or hides his body comes home wearing the ring finds out no one can see him and he was very pleased with this discovery and used it to find out secrets and he put his knowledge to crooked and malicious uses Um, he became sharp-eyed and keen-eared for all that was hurtful the ring had given him power according to his nature so that really resonated with me because there's a prayer that we're encouraged to read, which is basically asking God to protect us from knowledge that does not benefit. Um, in terms of benefit as in inter- knowledge that benefits us intellectually, but also knowledge that benefits us emotionally. And we want to be protected from learning things or finding out things that it's going to harm us emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all kinds of ways ways um and that is exactly the kind of knowledge that Smeagol seeks out and it just resents, it results in him being shunned and hated and called Gollum and then eventually kicked out so he goes and leaves and curses them and says and and ends up in the misty mountains and he looks at them and he says there must be great secrets buried there which have not been discovered since the beginning And he just becomes obsessed with finding out these secrets. And in the end, he finds nothing but darkness and coldness and hollowness and loneliness. That uh, sound was my cat jumping off my fridge. Okay, anyways. So that all sounds very dark and depressing. But then things become a little bit brighter. So Gollum is eventually found by the elves. Oh, no, sorry, before that happened. So Gandalf says, even Gollum was not wholly ruined. He had proved tougher than even one of the wise would have guessed as a hobbit might. Because there's a theme there that as awful as you are, even if you are a murderer and a person who skulks around taking secrets and spying and being evil, um, there's, a th- there's this theme of hope, basically, that it's never too late. As corrupted as you may become or may be, it is never too late. Um, and there's something, please ignore the sounds of my cat eating, but there's something in innate in every being that loves good and wants good. And that is proven by this passage. It was actually pleasant, I think, Gandalf says, to hear a kindly voice again, bringing up memories of wind and trees and sun on the grass and such forgotten things. Talking about Gollum. So as evil and loathsome as Gollum has become. He still there's a part of him that still wants light and goodness. And obviously as we see at the end of the story, it is the turning, it's another critical point in the story and what saves the world is that innate thing and that, that, that concept of hope. Um, and Gandalf even makes it explicit. He says um, regarding all of he says, there is little hope for him yet not no hope little hope does not mean no hope and we even have a like I, uh, we as in muslims we have a story of a man who murdered 99 people decided repented um uh, decided to go on pilgrimage um was on his way there met somebody got really angry killed him so he ended up murdering 100 people and then he died on his journey to pilgrimage and yet, God had mercy on him and didn't damn him to hell because, because he, was <laughs> um, he was trying. He was trying. He tried to make up for his thing and he died doing something good. I mean, he killed somebody. And then after that, he repented again and continued on his pilgrimage. But then he died never having reached um, the pilgrimage site. But he was saved from damnation because he repented and because he tried. So there's always hope, no matter how terrible you are, um, and I'm sure that nobody listening, hopefully, or any of us, have killed anybody. So imagine how much hope there is for us. <laughs> if 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 there's hope for people like Gollum and that man who killed a hundred, uh, serial killer, frankly, there's hope for us. God is merciful. So, um, Frodo is like confused right now. He's very innocent. He's confused about about Gollum and how merciful Gandalf was being towards Gollum. And Gandalf says, "You ought to begin to understand. Gollum hated the ring and loved it, as he hated and loved himself. He could not get rid of it. He had no will left in the matter." And that is also for me that just speaks to an addiction. And when things become an addiction, when things become a habit, of course there's a point where you're responsible for your own actions, but there's also a point where you can just, you have to do the best with your circumstances, right? And don't judge people and don't damn people and don't, um, what's the word? Just decide that there's no hope for anybody. You don't know what they're going through and you don't know what struggle they're having, right? A struggle that might be nothing to you is greater for somebody else. For example, Frodo could bear the ring for nine, ten years. And Borner could only bear the ring for a couple of months. Um, And as evil as Gollum seemed, the murder of his friend haunted him. And that is why he made up a whole story about the birthday gift and repeating that it was his precious over and over again. Because he's trying to excuse the awful thing that he knows he did. Um, And that kind of highlights another thing that's a theme of my life lately is the stories we tell ourselves and we have to be careful about the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and about other people because we can confuse ourselves on what's true based on what we want to tell us and what we want we when we tell ourselves what we want to hear or we tell others what we think they want to hear. And Gandalf says the truth was desperately important and in the end I had to be harsh. And uh, if you recall in our last episode I talked about Gandalf and how he's a seeker of truth uh, even if it means harsh Niche, harsh, harshness I can't speak even if it means being harsh with people that it's important to seek out the truth um, no matter how uncomfortable it makes people or unhappy it makes people with you because again people's opinions should not matter the truth matters and being merciful matters and being hopeful matters and being kind matters and trying matters and hmm And, yeah, we're talking about the truth and, oh yeah, and hope, right? And then, of course, we come to another favorite passage of mine, where Frodo says, well, this is all terrible. Um, Gollum has told the enemy about my last name. They'll know I'm from the Shire. They'll come for me. I wish Bilbo had killed Gollum when he had the chance. It was a pity. And Gandalf says, pity? It was pity that stayed his hand. Pity and mercy. Not to strike without need. And he has been well rewarded, Frodo. Be sure that he took so little hurt from the evil of having the ring and escaped in the end because he began his ownership of the ring so with pity. I am sorry, said Frodo, but I am frightened and I do not feel any pity for Gollum. He deserves death. Deserves it, said Gandalf. I dare say he does. Many that live deserve death and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? Then do not be too eager to deal out death in judgment. For even the very wise cannot see all ends. And again, that's just emphasizing that idea of hope and mercy and pity and trying and not damning anybody, not damning yourself even, right? Don't be like, oh, I forget it. I give up. I'm just an awful person. I don't even care what's the point of trying. <laughs> Trust me, we all think that. But there is a point in trying, right? There is a point in being pitied, having pity on people and being merciful with them, being kind and having hope. And having pity on yourself and being merciful with yourself and being kind to yourself as well is very important. The pity of Bilbo may rule the fate of many. Yours, not the least. And of course, that turns out to be true. Um, returning briefly to giving people the dignity of their choices, um, Frodo does exactly what I said. A lot of people do. He said, um, why did you let me keep the ring? Why didn't you make me throw it away or destroy it? Let you? make you excuse my Gandalf voice but you know that's my best <laughs> says the wizard haven't you been listening to all that I have said you're not thinking of what you are saying because he's not gonna repeat himself but he told Bilbo, uh, Frodo that giving people the dignity of their choice is important and also it would be more harmful to start the, to to have the ring with violence or to try to take the ring it would damage relationships and probably be a danger to Gandalf himself because The ring thrives on evil and evil deeds as Gollum attained the ring with through murder and Bilbo attained the ring by accident. And as Gandalf said, that made all the difference. (sighs) And then there was another line, um, just kind of emphasizing this idea of hope even in darkness. So Frodo's like, oh, I wish it was destroyed. Why did this happen to me? I can't deal with this. This is why was I chosen? Such questions cannot be answered, said Gandalf. You may be sure that it was not for them any merit that others do not possess, not for power or wisdom at any rate, but you have been chosen and you must therefore use such strength and heart and wits as you have. So this is kind of hilarious because he's kind of straight up insulting Frodo, <laughs> just roasting him. But it's, I mean, it's, it's wise, right? He says, well, no one knows why anything was chosen, why anything's done. But uh, don't start getting a big head. You're not chosen because you're special. Um, because you have something that others don't have. You don't have much power or wisdom anyways. Uh, I mean he's not wrong. for those very naive at this point. But you have been chosen. Uh, You must therefore use whatever strength and heart and wits that you have. So strength as much as you can to bear the burden. Heart to be merciful, to be um, hopeful, to be kind, to have pity and wits and to be smart about your choices as you can. Um, do you, what you can with what you have, essentially. Um, yeah. Man, that just really impacted me. And I think that's, yeah, that's the last of the notes. So we end this chapter with Sam deciding that he will, or Sam being found out to be, to have been eavesdropping. And Gandalf deciding that Sam will make a good commanding for Frodo as they go on their journey to... Rivendell, not to destroy the ring yet, because they're actually not sure what they're going to do, but they know that they can't stay in Hobbiton any longer, and they must go on, and that they, if they do remain, that evil is coming for them, and they put all their fellows in danger. Um, so they decide to go off, and that is the end of chapter two of The Fellowship of the Ring. So, thank you for bearing with me through this kind of rambly episode that is so, so late. If you're listening i am extremely grateful um hopefully sooner rather than later we will continue with chapter three three is a company read on send me a message about what you think of the podcast what you think of lord of the rings um your experience with lord of the rings what you're reading any thoughts that you have um what's the significance of coming at age at 50. (laughs) and once again you can find me at uh, facebook.com forward slash beyond what you see podcast or email me at beyond what you see podcast at gmail.com or find me at sakina literary society.com forward slash beyond what you see podcast yeah you can find me everywhere if you google me i'm sure i'll pop up um thank you for being with me thank you for coming on on this ride thank you karen and thank you ahmed and i hope you guys have a wonderful time and continue on in your journey and until next time